Hello, are you ready to hear about sobriety, addiction, and a bit of Alexa fucking Bramer's personal story? Because if you are, this episode's for you. Welcome, lovely souls, to the You're Not Fuck podcast, hosted by yours truly, Alexa fucking Bramer. This is your guide to a deeper embodiment of your soul in order to create and attract a bigger, better, beautiful life that will leave you feeling so fucking fulfilled in your heart. It is time to love the fuck out of yourself. And I can't create this life for you, but I can be a guide along your journey so that you can truly and deeply enjoy your current human experience with so much joy and gratitude. Magic is in the mess. This trial and error is your best friend, baby. So let's make some motherfucking magic together. Hello, you beautiful motherfuckers, you lovely, powerful, bold soul warriors. Let's dive into today's topic right away. Sobriety. Sobriety is really fucking hard, and it's not just hard getting sober because Lord knows that is really fucking difficult. It's hard staying sober, especially once we realize that the addiction is not the actual issue. The addiction is a symptom of a deeper rooted issue. It is, it is a sign that something else needs attention. Because for a lot of us, addiction is our coping mechanism. We're either dealing with trauma, abuse, neglect, mental illness. Sometimes we're dealing with things like really, really intense boredom and loneliness and things that feel so isolating. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be traumatic. It just is so fucking stressful and you don't have the right tool. And there are so many different reasons that people get into addictions. Like I said, it's not cut and dry. The actual addiction itself has similar similar qualities between people, but at the same time, there's so many variables and that's the same with getting sober and staying sober as well too. Whether it's cigarettes, whether it's weed, whether it's drug, whether it's food, whether it's porn, whether it's sex, like there's a common thread to all of these addictions and it's because it's not the actual problem. It will create problems when it's not addressed in the long run, but if you're only treating the addiction, chances are you're going to relapse over and over and over. And then you're going to beat yourself up because it's like, holy fuck, I really want to get sober. Why? Why is this not working? Why do I keep going back? I'm trying so fucking hard. And I want to congratulate anyone who has tried once, twice, any amount of time, anyone who is even thinking about it, anyone who is starting to plan to get sober, like congratulations, because it is really fucking hard to admit that you have a problem and to do something about it. But I also want to take some of the blame off of you. And let me clarify something right now, because I think a radical responsibility is so fucking important. I think it is absolutely important to take really, really intense responsibility for the choices you make in your life. But I also think there's a toxic end of that as well, where you start to internalize internalize the blame for absolutely everything that has gone on in your life. And you know what? If something happened to you when you were a child, you were a child. You should have had people that protected you and you didn't. That is not your fault. It is your responsibility now to do something about it. It is your responsibility to see that, to feel that fear and that pain that you felt as a child. It is your responsibility to heal from that and take care of yourself as an adult now. But it was not your fault whatever happened to you. 
And that can be applied to a lot of things because internalizing the blame is not going to get you anywhere because there's a difference between radical responsibility and then internalizing every single thing that's ever happened to you that wasn't in your control at all. And it doesn't just have to be with childhood, even as adulthood or even <laughs> even as adults in adulthood, there are things that are going to happen to you that are simply not your fault. But what is in control is your response to it. And say you mess up. Say you didn't have the knowledge that you have now and you made a terrible fucking choice in response or reaction to something external that happened to you. Then your next step is forgiveness because you didn't have the tools that you have now to do something about it now. And so I guess I just want to try and clarify the balance between radical responsibility and internalizing all of that blame. And a lot of people who suffer addiction, it's because you don't have the right tools. Because if you did, you probably wouldn't have an addiction. And I can't speak for 100% of the people who are struggling with addiction out there, but I can speak to the people who are similar to me. And what I know is that you are trying your absolute fucking best and you have been stomped on by life. You were either overwhelmed by the stress, you're overwhelmed by the traumatic things that have happened to you, or you are trying to overcome that stress or those traumatic things, but you don't have the right support systems, which makes that even more harder because we're fucking humans. And I will never stop telling you guys this. We are meant to have support. We are meant to have community. We are not meant to go through things alone. Yes, this is an internal journey. It is an inner journey. That's why it's called the inner work. But fuck that spiritual notion. <laughs> Let me clarify. Fuck that toxic spiritual notion that you have to do everything alone. There's a difference between doing internal work and really, really doing that work yourself and not relying on someone else and being isolated. You're allowed to have support. Not only are you allowed, you are literally wired to have the support. And that can also include, that can also include seasons where you are more alone, where you do have to go through a little bit of isolation. But I do not agree with permanent isolation. I don't agree with prolonged isolation. It is just simply not how our human brains are wired. There's always an exception to the rule, like people who are monks and not monks in groups, but they go and isolate themselves or people who really, really love living in the woods, totally isolated. Yeah. Okay. There's exceptions to the rules, but they're also finding connection within something else that might not be other humans, but kind of has the same basis. They either feel connected to the nature, they feel connected to a higher energy. There is still some sort of connection that is within them, even if it's not in the presence of other humans. And so maybe you go through seasons where you feel more alone because of whatever choice you made for your inner journey. But don't ever think that you have to. Don't ever think that you have to isolate yourself. You have to do everything by yourself because this is an inner journey. It's an alone journey. Fuck that. I, I have struggled with that personally in my own life. And that's why I'm saying fuck that. And if you don't resonate it, or if you don't resonate with what I'm saying, that is totally fine. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. You guys know I love saying this is probably going to be my fucking slogan at this point, but. I really, really struggled with that. And I think that I made my life way, way harder than it needed to be. And I can already hear some rebuttal in my mind that I don't even know if it's my own voice, honestly. And it's like, but it made you who you are. If you didn't go through that alone, you wouldn't know how strong you are. And it's like, bitch, why do I have to be strong by myself? Like, why does everything have to be harder? 
why did I have to discover who I was in survival instead of creation? Because I really do believe it's kind of like Minecraft. You're either in survival mode or you're in creative mode. And yeah, on one end, if I didn't go through the shit that I went through, I might not be sitting where I am right now. But that doesn't fucking mean that everyone has to go through it. Because I would not, I would not wish this on my worst enemy. Well, depends on what kind of enemy, I suppose. Like if you're talking about the evil divine, not divine, the evil fucking matrix that is surrounding this earth and is causing so much suffering just to feed off of the negative energy that it gets from it. Yeah, maybe, maybe I would like it to experience this, but we're not talking about that. I'm talking about the basic human. I don't want anyone to have to feel that alone because that is such, there is a difference between experiencing pain and hardships and then total suffering where your soul is getting shattered and you can't, you either can't or you can barely function in this reality. And that's what I really hope to provide for you guys. I'm really, really trying to figure out how I can bring more value to you guys. If you have any sort of suggestions on topics that you want me to cover, then please let me know. But that is something that has made my journey so much harder. And I try not to think like this, but again, this is all about being raw, real, and vulnerable with you guys. There are moments where I feel like I'm behind in life, where I feel like I could have been so much farther ahead if I either had people in my life that I felt like I could ask for support and had community around me. And I feel like I would have healed a lot faster too. I feel like I would have realized that there wasn't something wrong with me and that I wasn't fucked a lot sooner. And you know what? It's okay because I'm at the point where I do. I don't have to wait another 20 years. I know that I'm not fucked. And now I get to tell people that you're not fucked, which is so freaking cool because I really, really know what it's like to be in the depths of hell. Not once, not twice, not three times, not 10 times. And when I say depths of hell, not something that lasts a couple of weeks, like soul shattering fucking terribleness that you don't know that don't know if you're ever going to survive. And I'm getting a bit off topic here, so I'm going to kind of circle back because I was talking about sobriety and addiction. And there's a story that I want to tell you guys. And I honestly can't remember if I mentioned this in my travel episodes. I could go back and listen to them. And I honestly just don't want to right now. I definitely will start putting in more effort in that way. But there's a lot of you that haven't watched or listened to those episodes anyways. So uh, long story short, I went traveling to Costa Rica and Panama and I had a travel disaster and it was very, very intense and it was slightly traumatizing. But I don't know if I ever mentioned the actual reason that I went to Costa Rica. It was definitely quite irresponsible and I was definitely running away from the pain. I don't regret it by any means because it definitely, I think it did. I It saved my life at the end of the day. But uh, long story short, let's recap it really quick. So 2021, I went to Costa Rica in September. In January. I broke up with someone that I thought was the love of my life, um, but it was a very, very toxic relationship on both sides. I was very toxic myself. The person I was with was also very toxic. I do think there is love there, and I think that is what made it really, really hard to separate. And I really, a part of me really, really wanted to be with him, but I was so angry and resentful over the things that happened that I remember our last conversation in person and I told him that I can't love him the way that he deserves because I'm so angry and I'm letting him go so he can go 
find someone or be with someone that does love him because he deserves that even if I'm really angry at him and heartbroken. And I'm glad that I did that, but it was really hard. He got a girlfriend right after and they've been together for like, I don't know, like three years or something now. But that was really, really hard because I really did believe at the time of my life that that was like my soulmate, my twin flame, like all of those buzzwords. And so he got a girlfriend, I think in February. I don't quite remember, but like literally a month after and I was fucking devastated and I just moved home to my dad's and um, me and my dad do better now. But at the time, it was also very, very beyond toxic to live with my father as well to love him to death but there's just some things that weren't okay and it was really hard to experience that and then in the next like couple weeks after that I was working a job and I'm trying to ring this back in guys I said long story short and I'm going in a little bit of detail but that's fine you're here for the ride or if you're still here for the ride god bless you I love you okay so I was working in the kitchen and I DD'd my friend that night and they wanted me to come inside to say hi to the other friends. And I was probably only in there for maybe 20 minutes, half hour, uh, got one of them to get me like a glass of water. They were putting um, MDMA in their drinks and they're like, oh, do you want to do some? And I was like, no, I'm literally driving one of you home. So no. And anyways, I left. It was probably like two or three in the morning and I dropped my one friend off and then I am driving home and I start drooling literally drooling for this drug for MDMA and I have been clean off MDMA at this point in the story I think it had been at least five years like it had been quite a significant time it had been a long time and I was like great like I'm not shitting you and I'm not over exaggerating I literally had drool coming out of my mouth because of how badly I wanted it and I was like um okay that's really fucking weird even when I did MDMA like I never felt like this so that's really weird and then like a few minutes later I am stuck behind a train and it's really late at night and I start freaking out I'm like holy shit I can't be stopped at this train it's late at night someone's gonna pull a gun out on me like just paranoid so fucking paranoid it's actually it's kind of laughable now because like it I've been stuck behind trains. I've lived in this town for how long? Like, yeah, there's some sketchy shit that's happened where people have literally pulled guns on others, but I've never been scared like that before. And I was, I was literally like making a plan what to have, like what to do if that happens, because I was convinced it was going to happen. And then finally the train moved and I got home to my dad's and I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I took a bong rip before I went to go to the shower because I had no idea what was going on at this point. And sometimes I used to use not sometimes. I used to use weed all of the time to calm my anxiety down, even though in the long run, it probably made me a little bit more paranoid. But at this point, I was already freaking out paranoid. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go take a bong rip. I'm going to go in the shower. And so hopped in the shower and it uh, kind of felt weird, whatever. I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, getting stoned. And then I get out of the shower and it was, holy fuck. I had to think about the uh, sequence of events there for a second. I like start looking around and I'm like, holy shit, there's patterns everywhere. And that usually happens to me when I do a psychedelic. Um, it can happen with, it can happen to me when I use weed as well too, because of the psychoactive ingredients. But with weed, if I start seeing patterns and I move my eyes, they go away. But on like, um, harder, I guess you would say psychedelics, it like stays like you can move, I could move my eyes and the pattern stays. I can see it in my peripheral kind of thing. Like, I don't quite know how to explain that. If you know, you know. If not, just know that the patterns stay if I'm on psychedelics. And so I'm starting to realize, I'm like, 
what the fuck is happening? Like, these patterns aren't going away. And then I start staring. I think I either sit down or I'm standing. I don't know. But I had these cabinets that had wood grains in it. And I just stared at it for a while. And the pattern started to really, like, get intense. And then all of a sudden, this fucking wood grain moves into the shape of a gnome. And then the gnome runs across my cabinets. Like, I'm, I'm not even fucking with you. I absolutely saw that with my eyes. And it wasn't just some like, oh, I imagined it in my head. No, like I fucking saw it with my eyes. And so obviously I'm like, oh my fucking God. Like, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like, am I insane? Like, I've never had we do this to me. Like, there's something wrong. And so I wiped the fog off the mirror. And look, <laughs> I look into the mirror and I remember this so vividly because I had makeup on and because of the shower, it made all the mascara and stuff go under my eyes and look like just a mess, right? Like kind of like I'd been crying or just, I don't know, someone that obviously doesn't look well if they just walked around with makeup watered down their face like that. But anyways, I wiped the fog off the mirror, looked in the mirror, there was just makeup everywhere and my eyes were literally the size of like Junies. Like my pupils were so fucking big. And I'm sure most of you know, but in case you don't, your pupils dilate. They get huge when you're on drugs. And mine, like, you could barely even see the other part of the eye. I think it's called the iris. Like, you couldn't even fucking see it. It was insane. Like, maybe the tiniest little bit. And so I was like, holy fuck, I am high. I'm high as fucking balls. I'm higher than a fucking kite. And this is not weed. Weed does not make me see a gnome run across my cabinet weed might dilate my eyes a little bit but not like this and i was like holy fuck i've been on this before i know what this is this is mdma so literally like a month after i went through a terrible messy gross breakup i got drugged and i'll make an episode later again i think i have made an episode about it but now that i'm more confident um i'm definitely gonna redo it so if you are interested in the details about that and who did that to me, well, I guess I'm going to mention who did that in this one. But if you want to know more of the detail, I'll make an episode about that as well. Anyways, um, long story short, I didn't know who drugged me at first. And there was this guy at the party that they happened to hire at my work to work the position with me and next to me. We work in a kitchen, so you're like, your ass is in someone else's face like all the time like you're fucking elbow to elbow elbow in this kitchen especially because it's a smaller one so you guys are you work so fucking closely i had no idea but they hired this guy before i've ever like met him but i found out after i got drugged and at this point i didn't know who it was and so one i got drugged so i was losing my fucking shit and already struggling with work and then he came to work and i was like oh my god it could have been this guy like i have no fucking idea so i ended up having to walk away from work as well and quit my job because i mentally could not handle it and was literally having a freak out not only from getting drugged and trying to process the fact that i'd been clean off of this for like five years i'm also trying to process who the fuck did this to me i was only in the house for like maybe 20 30 minutes and then this fucking guy from the party is working a position right fucking with me. I was like, I can't, I can't mentally handle this. So then I walk away from my job, which was really hard because going through a breakup, it was nice to be around people. It was nice to be making money. It was nice to be away from home, away from my dad. And I had to quit because I was just fucking losing it. And then, you know, I find out it's actually one of my friends. They're not my friend anymore, obviously, but one of them drugged me. So then I also had to walk away from 
all of my friends at that point, and it was so fucking shitty. And there was some more stuff that led up to Costa Rica too that I can't quite remember right now. I thought I had it all sorted, but I know that I got a really, really bad foot infection when, like, during the summer a few months later, and I, like, had to suffer that alone. No one would help take care of me, and I literally had to, like, crawl around the house. I had to, like, crawl to the kitchen to go get food. I had to crawl to the bathroom, and I was just stuck on the couch, and, like, it was, like, 40-plus degrees Celsius, and I had a fever, and I was all alone with an infection. It really fucking sucked. And I honestly, I I had a mental breakdown. I was like, I cannot fucking handle this. Just everything is going wrong. And so I was like, if I'm going to be really honest, of course I am. I wanted to fucking kill myself. And this is not the first time I've been suicidal on and off for a very, very long time. And it hit me really fucking hard. But the one thing with me being suicidal, because of how much I love my family, there's always been, always been something, no matter how dark it got, that kept me from actively doing something or actively planning to do something. And I would fantasize about it. I'd want it. I'd cry, but I would never actually do it because as soon as I thought about actually, actually doing it, I would imagine who would find my body. I would think about how my nieces would feel. I would think about how my family would feel. And I just didn't want to hurt them, even though I was hurting so bad and just wanted the pain to end. And so I got really scared because this time when I got suicidal, I felt so disconnected from everyone. I felt so unloved. I felt so unworthy of love. I felt so fucking shitty about myself that I seriously just wanted to fucking die. I wanted to die. and. I didn't have that love to keep me safe. I was scared that I was actually going to do it. I got to the point where I was like, I actually am going to kill myself. And so I thought about it at one point because I was starting, I was going to make a plan and I was starting to make a plan. And I was like, okay, if you're actually going to do this, Alexa, what is one thing that you want to do before you take yourself off the earth? Like if you're going to kill yourself anyways, just go, just go do that one thing that you've always wanted to do. What is it? I was like, fuck, I want to travel. And like, I've traveled before, but always with family. And that's so different. I was like, I want to travel. And so I decided to go to Costa Rica. And I decided to go for a month. And I actually ended up having a friend at the time come with me. A sort of friend. I made, I got a new job eventually and kind of made friends with her. And so she ended up coming with me. And then... Fast forward, I traveled for a while and then I had my travel disaster. And long story short, um, I didn't have access to any of my money. A bunch of shit went, went wrong. My friend went home. I met new friends, traveled with them to Panama. And then that's when my um, access to my money got cut off. Um, there was just some bank fraud that happened. Like not, not on my end, but someone like scammed my bank card and I ran out of my emergency cash and just did a bunch of naive things that I will <laughs> not repeat again and do not recommend anyone to repeat. Always have emergency cash. Take more than one kind of card with you when you're traveling. Maybe don't trust strangers all the time, obviously. But I was just so desperate to not be alone. So I was like, I'm going to be a little world Miss Solo Traveler. And then my friend went home and it felt awful. I felt so awful being alone. I felt so scared. Everyone's like, you just have to get over it. And I was like, no, I think it's time to go home. And it really was. And I was forced to go home because I got cut off from my money. But there was just so many different traumatic things that happened from that uh, travel disaster as well, which is in another previous episode. And this cycles back to addiction and sobriety. 
because I did get sober off of weed. That was like the one thing that I got sober off when I was in Costa Rica. I didn't really drink much and I drank a little bit, but I was smoking cigarettes, drinking a little bit, and I smoked a little bit of weed at first and then I got clean off of weed for a month and that was the second time I think I've ever done that or maybe it was the third time but it was it had been a long time since I'd been sober for a month off weed and it was incredible and then I had my travel disaster and then got into weed so much worse and it's 2024 now that was in 2023 and so it's been almost three years and I thought my life was over it was so so scary like I remember for years I wanted to be where I am right now to be sober off weed to be free of nicotine to be free of partying and blackout drinking and to have a better relationship with my food and my body and myself and to really deeply love myself and it's just crazy because I really did think like 2021 like I came home and I was probably even more suicidal than when I left and 2022 was such a fucking struggle too and I'm not still or let me rephrase this I'm not exactly where I want to be right now but I'm literally living a current dream of my past self and I just really wanted to share that story because literally there's so many times I thought my life was over I was like there's I don't know how to recover from this I don't know how to do better and I just wanted to be so sober but every time I try to get sober off weed it just I couldn't I didn't have the right coping mechanisms and have the right support and have the right community around me to really really sustain sustain what's that word sustain <laughs> i don't know to hold anchor in that sobriety but now i do and i still don't have the strongest community around me i still don't have the strongest support but i got a little bit more going for me i have really really deep self-love and appreciation now which is something that i didn't have before and i just really hated myself I really did. I really thought that I was the scum of the earth and that I was terrible. And the reason that everyone treated me horribly was because I suck and because I was fucked and just this horrible, gross human being that will never be able to improve no matter how hard I try. And now I've literally done quite a few things I thought that was impossible. It has been a year and a half since I quit nicotine and I haven't had any sense. None. And it's been over a month now being off weed. And I've only ever made it past a month one time before. My longest is two months, which I did in 2023. So I'm really excited because I know I'm going to hit two months. And then I'm going to plan for three months. I have the occasional drink. Um, I'm definitely trying to reevaluate. Like I barely, I hardly ever drink. It's usually on special occasions. Cajuns like Christmas and I still keep it pretty tame but I'm definitely reevaluating that because I've always wanted to go completely no alcohol which I did do for two years and regardless though I am free from the blackout drinking and I know that if I do have one or two drinks it will actually stay at that where when I used to say that it wouldn't I have a way healthier relationship with food, with my body, with everything. And these things are still improving. Like I'm not at this absolutely perfect place, but I'm not having panic attacks from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed because that's how my days used to be. Not only did I have panic attacks, 
panic attacks all throughout the day. I used to have them from the moment I used to wake up in the morning and I would have to smoke so much weed and nicotine to sedate myself to even make it through. And then because I did so much in the morning, I would have to have so much during the day and so much during the night because my tolerance was fucking insane. And then doing that every day, it was insane. My body was literally so dependent on nicotine to calm down and weed to do things like sleep, eat, calm down that I didn't think it was possible to be at the point that I am right now because I felt so shitty and so sick every time I tried to quit. And it was so overwhelming. And I realize now looking back that I smoked weed because I could not handle the abuse that I was going through. And because I didn't have the right support, I also couldn't get out of the abuse either. I also didn't realize how bad the abuse was. I still thought that it was me to some degree. I still thought that if I was nicer to these people, if I was more mature, then they wouldn't be like this towards me because it's all my fault. And at one point in 2022, I got to be around some people for a short time that showed me so much love and acceptance that it changed my entire life. And I cannot wait to experience that kind of love on the regular more because I'm really, really healing that part of me that thinks that I'm unworthy of that. And I'm excited to heal this part and learn and, and be able to help other people realize that they deserve that kind of love and support too, that acceptance. And this doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but this is where you can heal from addiction. And it's really, really hard to do on your own, but it's possible. But if, but if you have the option to have that community and support around you, please take it because you will grow. You will strengthen yourself. You will heal from the actual cause or the root of the addiction so much faster it's not that we always have to focus on going faster and getting sober faster no but we also don't have to make everything be so painstakingly long and like i said that that support that i received for that little bit completely changed my life and if you don't have access to that right now then i really suggest really 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 owning in and learning what you can about true deep radical self-love and i'm not just talking about like oh use affirmations and tell yourself that you love yourself because if a part of you doesn't believe that you can't trick it i do like affirmations to a certain extent but i do think there are other things that are more powerful and i think it's accepting the fact that you don't love yourself right now and then that's okay like show yourself love that you don't love yourself i know that kind of sounds paradoxical but you don't have to force yourself to change those parts of you that feel so shitty will naturally change when you show them love. But when we try to come from a place of, I need to fix myself and then I'm lovable, that is just repeating the story that you don't feel worthy for the love. That if you change some part of yourself, then you'll be worthy. But the thing is, right now, you're worthy of love. No matter what shitty thing you did, no matter what terrible feeling you think about yourself no matter how much you hate yourself you're worthy of love right now and you don't actually have to do any more work to be worthy of the love the work that you're doing is to be able to truly believe that you're already worthy of love because i bet you do have a lot of love for yourself and i bet that your brain is tricking you that you don't it's trying to keep you safe and that's the program it knows right now it knows the trauma it knows the stress it knows the abuse 
but it's time to learn a different pattern. It's time to learn a different program. It's time to condition your brain to really, really know what radical love is. And that is loving your dark parts too. And it doesn't mean that you don't want to be a better person when you accept these dark parts of yourself. The underlying intention and energy when you love those dark parts is that you are lovable as you are right now and that love is not a transaction, that you don't need to do X to get Y, that you don't need to do A to get B, that love, which is B in this situation, is always there. It's a constant, whether you see it or not. That is what unconditional love is. And it doesn't mean that you don't see an action that you take against another person that was harmful. It's not that you don't see that stuff, but you love yourself regardless that you love yourself enough that you can look at that and be like, Hey, I see that dark part of myself. And I love, I love myself. I love that. I want to improve that. I love that. I am aware that I hurt someone because then I can actually do something about it. It's reframing it instead of coming from like, Oh fuck, I'll never be worthy of someone's love. I hate myself for doing that. Like we, when we come from that energy, we'll always be trying to change ourselves through hate, which is just not sustainable. It might get you, it might get you somewhere for a while, and I've met a lot of people who have changed themselves through hate, but it will not be able to sustain you long term. But that love will. And I hope that wasn't too confusing because I'm still trying to figure out how to put all of this into words. It's really, really hard right now anyways, but it won't be forever to explain the difference between radical self-love and loving yourself to change instead of hating yourself to change. But I feel good with this for now. We'll definitely expand on this concept later. Um, and again, to circle back to the addiction, this is what really changed the game for me. This is what really has healed my addiction was I got over some addictions through hate. Absolutely. Both hate and love. But to really get over the ones that had been around for years and years, I had to stop coming from a place of hate. And I had to start coming from a place of deep, deep love, regardless if I fucked up, regardless if I fucked up anything in my life, I had to come from a place of love to change it and hold that capacity to, for myself, to hold that space for myself, to love all of these parts of me that just seem so wrong and unacceptable. And that's your shadow. Your shadow is all of these parts of you that got shoved down, that are told aren't acceptable, whether it's by you, society, or someone else. Those parts want to be loved not changed and when you love them they will naturally start to change because you have more energy for or you have more energy to take action when you start loving yourself when you start filling your own cup up energetically emotionally mentally you don't even have to do anything physical right away but when you really come from that place of love you will have so much energy to battle those addictions and to battle that um, the trauma and the abuse and stress and everything that causes our addictions. All right. That was a little bit of my story. I hope you guys enjoyed. I know that a lot of you guys have been requesting that I share more about my story. And so I'm starting to do that. I hope you guys enjoy. If you don't know, <laughs> oh, my voice. <laughs> If you don't know where to reach me, you can find me on Instagram at Alexa fucking Bramer, and that does have a U in it, or my podcast, the You're Not Fucked podcast. If you're not on Instagram, you can email me, the You're Not Fucked, po the you're not fucked podcast at gmail.com, and the email does not have a U in it, just to clarify, in the fuck, I know this is a little bit, 
it's a little bit confusing but this will all be in the show notes anyways so if you guys like this if you guys want to reach out feel free to reach out if you guys want to fucking collab i would love to collab i'd love to have some of you guys on here and hear about your personal stories what else yeah I think that's all, motherfuckers. Thank you for making it to the end of the episode. If something resonated with you, lovely folks, please share this with someone. I would love to help more people. I would love, love if my podcast helped you so much that you shared it to someone else to help. Like That is literally my dream. That is the impact that I want to make is to help people the way that podcasts and books and other people have helped me. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a lovely rest of your fucking day. Peace out, Brussels sprouts. I almost forgot to mention that I am currently taking one-on-one clients right now for coaching. If you want someone that helps relight your inner fucking spark, you want someone to support you and mentor you while you're in the dark night of the soul, if you want someone to be your motherfucking hype woman, then sign up for my coaching. You can reach me at my email that is in the show notes that I mentioned before, the You're Not Fuck podcast at gmail.com because i would love to i would love to support you on your journey i know that having support can make the fucking difference and it's not that you need me but you are worthy of having help you don't have to do this alone so if this resonates with you reach out to me all right let's get the legal shit out of the way my podcast is for entertainment purposes only it does not substitute advice from a mental health professional or a medical professional. If you are suffering from a physical or mental illness, please consult with a doctor.